there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there, waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. The name Robert Kinley blared across Lottie's phone screen. She tapped her fingers against the kitchen counter as she debated on answering, which she did and instantly regretted. He had a problem, and seeing as it was unlikely that her ex-boss called her to vent his feelings and nothing more, she watched the birds in her tree through the window and waited for the favor to come. By the time it did, she had a set of unnecessarily specific instructions planned out for what he could do with his request especially for which orifice he should insert it, forcibly. If you could just come in and get the process started while I track him down, Robert said. But yesterday had been her last day. She was retired. They had a party and everything, if you could call it that. The bodies of the Jane and John Doe in the cooler should be someone else's problem. The only dilemma Lottie was concerned with was the lack of an overblended margarita in her hand, and that it was still over three hours until she could board her cruise and correct that problem. But when she looked at the boarding pass laying next to her keys and her heart pills, she thought about how there should be one with her wife's name on it as well. Then, despite her best efforts, she thought about goodbyes, and how there were people out there they were probably still waiting for Jane and John Doe to come home. She tugged her wife's housecoat tight around her shoulders. Bob, she said, you're a twat, you know that? I'll be whatever you say, Lot, Robert said, letting out a still-strained chuckle. Lottie kicked off her warm slippers. But if you even so much as hint for anything else from me when I get there... I'll put your ass in the cooler, Bob. At the office, Lottie glared at the happy retirement banner that still draped in the corner. Slipping a white lab coat over the bright Hawaiian shirt she'd bought for her trip, she glanced over the two files on the desk, noting that the bodies were recovered from a car wreck. Significant trauma, she muttered. Next to the files was something else a gleaming post-mortem surgical hammer. She picked it up and read the sticky note stuck to its hooked handle. In case of additional favors, from Robert, it read. Lottie snorted and tucked the hammer under her arm and made her way towards the morgue. She heard the voices before she even opened the cooler. She wasn't at all surprised by this, but she still found herself stuck unable to will her hand towards the heavy metal latch. For 32 years, Lottie loved her job. But every day for the past few weeks, 
She desperately wanted to be anywhere else. She was beyond relieved when she left yesterday. It was supposed to have been the last time she'd be inside of a morgue, until she was the one on the table. It was too much, conversing with the dead loved ones of others, when she hadn't been able to say goodbye in neither life or death to her own, her Evelyn. It was enough to make Lottie wish she had never seen a ghost, a spirit, a specter or soul. It made her wish that she'd never spoken with them as they waited for their doors to appear. It made her wish that she'd never had to smile and lie as she assured the ones who were afraid that they would be fine once they crossed through to the other side. She swallowed the lump in her throat and gritted her teeth. She yanked open the door, doing her best to ignore the voices as they intertwined to the usual menagerie of leftover human emotion. Some were sad, some were angry, and there was one that just seemed relieved. Nothing out of the ordinary for a handful of the dead. She grabbed the closer of the two unidentified bodies and rolled the gurney towards the door. Oh, shoo, she said, swatting away a pale hand that reached up through the other sealed body bag. You'll get your turn next. I am not in the mood. Lottie felt her shoulders relax a little once she was under the lights of the examination room. Whichever of the does this was, they were quiet, and she didn't mind it one bit. She set the files and the hammer down on the counter, and then with a flick of her finger, her old stereo crackled to life, filling the room with blue suede hooked on a feeling. She pulled out a pair of disposable gloves and hummed along as she double-checked her tray of various surgical instruments. Okay, let's get to work, she said, satisfied that she had everything she needed. For obvious reasons, Lottie's process was a little different, but it wasn't all that complicated. For the most part, it was ask and you shall receive. As it turns out, people are usually still eager to talk about themselves, even after they die. That didn't mean, though, that she didn't take at least a few basic precautions. Before unzipping the bag, Lottie closed her eyes and starting with her left thumb, she worked the thin latex down each finger, expanding the ball of protective white light in her mind each time she moved on to the next. When the room grew cold, she had only made it to her middle finger of the same hand. Well, that was quick, she whispered. Opening one eye, she peeked around the room, but no one was there. Strange she thought. She resumed picturing the ball of light, stretching it further around her, but as she grazed the edge of her wedding band on her ring finger, the light snapped back in on itself, leaving a dark shroud of grief in its place. Well, shit, she said, restarting the process, her eyebrows mashing into each other, deepening the wrinkles between them as she concentrated. God Damn it, she grumbled. Robert, I swear to God, I'm going to make you regret leaving me this hammer. She tore off her gloves, and with the surgical tool turned weapon in hand for dramatic effect, she spun towards the door. But it wasn't Robert. She had no idea who this young man was. This area's off limits, 
said Lottie, lowering the hammer but making sure to keep a firm grip on the handle. The stranger, a younger man, raised his hands in mock surrender. I didn't mean to barge in, he said with a smile he must have thought counted as an apology. I guess I just didn't expect they'd give away my job so quickly. Oh, well, I'm sure Robert expected his new medical examiner would care a little bit more about being on time, Lottie said, crossing her arms. I'm assuming that's who you are. To her satisfaction, she watched as a dark expression flashed over her replacement's face before disappearing under another too-friendly smile. I am so sorry about that. My flight got in late and they lost my bag with my charger. I was lucky I was able to call someone to come pick me up before my phone died, he said. They have these neat things at airports, you know, called shops. Some of them even sell chargers. Lottie was enjoying how little she had to worry about proper office etiquette now that she was off HR's radar. Yes, I have heard of shops, but my charger and wallet were in that bag, said the man, his jaw tightening. Mmm, I understand, Lottie said with a nod. I do imagine getting to your new job on time would be quite difficult, if you're an idiot. I swear, she muttered, turning away and pulling on a new pair of gloves pockets are completely wasted on men's clothes. Too bad you didn't think to ask whoever left that smeared lipstick on your shirt if you could borrow their phone to call the office this morning. She smirked when she heard the man suck his teeth behind her. Unfortunately, she wasn't awake by then, and then seemingly in a hurry to direct the subject away from his tardiness. He finally introduced himself as Edward Pike, and then offered to take over. Uh, no, Lottie said, feeling no need to elaborate further. Ignoring her intruder, she undid the thick zipper to just past the woman's shoulders. This was Jane Doe. The woman was mid to late twenties, jaw-length hair, strawberry blonde by the looks of it, although she'd have to rinse out some of the dried blood just to be sure. Lottie picked up her camera and began taking photos for the woman's records. Between the bursts of light from the flash, she watched the man from the corner of her eye and was growing more and more annoyed. He remained planted on her side of the door with his fake smile intact. She kept working, but flitted through the options of what she could say to Edward Pike that would convince him to leave, each one growing more obscene than the last but that was all quickly forgotten when she noticed something strange on the body. She squinted. Even under the thick layer of red-brownish crust that coated most of the chest and neck, there was no mistaking a wound that she was not expecting to see on someone who had supposedly died in an automobile accident. But the two crescent-shaped marks were unmistakable. The bite was deep, and whoever inflicted it as there was no doubt that these teeth were human, took the time to work the thick muscle far enough inside their mouth that even the back molars made a clear impression. I'm sure you have places you'd rather be, Pike said over her shoulder, his calm voice shattering her focus. The only thing I'm sure of is that there are 
plenty of places I'd rather you be, she barked. She slammed down the heavy camera onto her equipment tray, causing a scalpel to clatter towards the floor where it vanished beneath the exam table. Allow me, Pike offered, gently placing his hand against her lower back, so light she could barely just feel it as he moved around her to retrieve the blade. You're allowed to fuck off before you lose that hand, Lottie said, crouching down and away from his pale fingers, making sure that she held her glare until his face dropped behind the edge of the table. She saw the scalpel, but despite the growing ache in her knees, she stayed where she was, transfixed by the sight in front of her. It was a ghost, a very bright ghost, and Lottie wondered how she could have just now noticed the light. The glow that emanated from the woman's terrified face was extraordinary. It was beautiful. So much so that for reasons Lottie did not understand, it made her want to cry. Everything else, the surprise, the confusion, and the sickening chill she felt rising up her neck, it was all lost under the pure incandescence of the desperate and petrified soul in front of her, who was frantically trying to pick up the razor-sharp scalpel that continued to slip right through her fingers, even after Lottie gently picked up the thin silver handle. It wasn't until they heard a voice from above the table that she stopped and looked up at Lottie, the tears streaming down her face. Do you find what you were looking for down there? Edward Pike asked. His tone was friendly, but the woman's face twisted into knots of sheer horror at the sound of it. Lottie felt a sinking feeling break through the strange wonder she felt as she watched the spirit raise a shaking finger to her smeared lips. Still looking, but... Lottie watched the woman shake her head back and forth, waving at her to stop talking. But, shouldn't you be tracking down Robert? Make sure you still have a job. She waited for a response as her heart thumped erratically in her chest. I gave you a chance to leave, Pike said finally, all the forced niceties gone from his voice. Then he bent, with a strange fluidity, as if his body weighed nothing at all. When his face slipped into view under the edge of the table, his lips parted over his glistening teeth as his mouth stretched into a shape that was far from a smile. He grabbed at the bright woman until he got a hold of her neck and could pull her from her hiding spot, gently tutting her like she was a child as she thrashed. I told you, didn't I? As soon as we started, I told you, Claire, you belong to me. But you didn't listen, did you? You just had to make this difficult. In his grip, the woman kicked and lashed, but it made no difference. Where his hands touched her, her light went dark. I didn't want to crash that car. I gave you a choice. But you chose this instead. He sunk his face in between her neck and shoulder, 
inhaling loud and deep before plunging his teeth into her. For the first time, the woman made a sound, and her scream ripped through Lottie's head. It doubled over on itself over and over and over until it became more blinding than the light she was made of. Whether from her own decision or purely from a flight or fight instinct, Lottie couldn't be sure, but either way, she felt herself spring forward, her aches and pains forgotten as she focused only on driving the sharp end of the scalpel into Edward Pike's neck. She had good aim and knew just the right spot to cut so that he would bleed out quickly. But neither of those things mattered. Lottie's shoulder and head slammed against the ground with a sickening crack. There had been nothing solid for her to cut into. With drips of light running down his chin, Pike looked up and smiled at Lottie, crumpled on the ground. She watched as he cradled the woman. What glimmer was left pulled around the bite in her neck, leaving the rest of her limp and dim. I'll be back for what's left, he told her in his gentle voice, before licking the tears off her cheek. He pressed a damp kiss on her forehead, and then brushed her off his lap as if she were crumbs. It's ironic, he said, licking his lips. Not once did I meet someone like me while I was alive. And then I finally find someone else who can talk to the dead. But it's when I'm the ghost. Life is so funny, don't you think? Lottie glared at the man who now knelt beside her. It's interesting to see where you went with it. Very, um, empathetic. Do you know what else I find interesting? That the living can pass right through the dead, like clouds of mist or a ray of light. But spirits, on the other hand, some of them can do some pretty noticeable things to the living. He let his thoughts wander a moment as he traced a cold finger across Lottie's cheek. It was so cold, and nearly burned. I learned this the hard way, of course. The dead can get very angry when you toy with their bodies. It never made much sense to me. It's not like they're using them anymore. He shrugged and shook his head. Which is why I eventually switched to playing with the living. They're so much easier to make quiet when you want them to be. For people like us, at least. But this, he said, holding his hand up to inspect in the light. This is really interesting. You know, I've always wondered what it would be like to do this. And plunged his hand into her chest. What this was exactly, Lottie wasn't sure. But what she was sure of was that very soon, she would die from it. She'd been cold before, but never like this. It felt sharp. It sliced through her ribs and consumed her weak heart. Like the once bright spirit of the woman lying motionless just a few feet away, her vision faded. All over her body, she felt pressure in wrong places, like around her neck and against the roots of her teeth, all pressing in the wrong direction. Elsewhere, the comforting hold her bones and flesh had on each other gave away 
Her stomach and lungs felt as if they would slip from her mouth at any moment without any resistance at all. If her eyes didn't sting as much as they did, she would have sworn that they had already popped out and rolled towards the drain in the floor. Lottie had never wanted to be back here, let alone die here, and if she was honest, she was livid that the latter was happening so uncomfortably, paralyzed, laying on a cold hard surface with some dickhead's icy hand somewhere it shouldn't be. When the first tremors of shock rippled through her body, she felt relief. Not from the pain or the anger or the fear. She'd just been trying to figure out how to activate the protective circle she had scratched into the ground nearly twenty years prior. It took blood. Not much, but blood all the same. Her fingers clenched when her body began to seize, and the scalpel blade cut deep against where it had slipped in the sweat of her palm. The ring ignited with a pure white light. A large circle with an intricate web of symbols and sigils burned from the etching in the floor, right through Edward Pike's chest. You're not the first asshole to have shown up here, Lottie gasped between breaths. The man's jaw stretched open, his chin reaching past the edge of his severed torso as he screeched in anger. He clawed and gnashed, but only for a moment, before his pieces disintegrated. Except for the music still drifting from the old set of speakers, it was quiet. Quiet enough for Lottie to realize that she wasn't breathing. She might have been free from Pike's invading hand, but it didn't matter. Her heart slugged with a thick, rhythmless beat. The woman's spirit was no longer in a heap by the table, but Lottie knew where she was. I don't have long, she said. I know it's uncomfortable being back in there, but you should start calling for your door before he comes back. Why did you put me back here? The voice that came from the woman's stiff body on the table sounded more like a gurgle or a cough, as stale air was forced over dead vocal cords. Dangerous spirits are easier to ignore when I can trap them and strap them to the table. She managed to flip herself onto her back, freeing her chest from the pressure of the floor. It's not about being at peace, Lottie wheezed. That much I know. If it had shit to do with peace, no one would cross over. Even as her vision started to swim, Lottie could see the swirling outline of a doorway coming together by the table. Good, she thought. No matter how this panned out for her, she was glad to know that the poor girl wouldn't be left here alone to wander in pain. Just as the metallic thud of the cooler door slamming open echoed from down the hall, a warmth filled the room. Lottie wasn't sure where the dead woman's door led, but she found herself hoping that when it was her time, her door would lead somewhere just like it. Then Lottie heard footsteps. The first few were awkward, a shuffling drag that quickly turned to a stride as the cold, stiff joints of a corpse worked themselves loose. You have to hurry, she tried to shout, 
but all that came out was a whisper. The exam room door rattled for a moment, but quickly gave way. Lottie blinked hard, forcing her sight to clear long enough to see the naked corpse of Edward Pike. It was hunched over the woman's body on the table and shoveling chunks of something dark into its mouth. She turned away, not wanting that to be the last thing she saw as she died. And that's when she saw them. From the haze of the now fully formed door, a figure was leaning out, its undefined head panning from what was happening on the table to where Lottie laid curled up on the floor. And then... To a spot next to the metal tray. There was a clang of steel hitting the floor, and then the figure dipped back from where it came. Most of Lottie's body hurt, and what didn't felt weird. Except for the warm sunshine that poured from the door on her shoulder and face, and the cold handle of the hammer in her hand. Every last ounce of will she had been saving to try to survive long enough to see the woman through, she now put into pulling herself under the table. And then the rest, into a swing. Do you know, Ed, the downside of being in a body? Lottie choked out. She swung again. They're so... fragile. And then finally... She felt the satisfying snap of the dead man's shin bone as he toppled. It wouldn't stop him for good, but it would hopefully buy her enough time for her heart to finally give out. When Lottie rose to her feet, she felt light, her knees unbending with ease. She walked over to Edward Pike's writhing body and sunk her hand deep down into its gaping mouth. Fishing between the cold pieces of flesh, she pulled out pieces of light until she was sure she collected every last drop that the man had stolen from her. Let's get you to where you're going, Lottie said, carrying the pile in her arms as she approached the doorway. This isn't her door, love, but you can bring her along, poor thing. Lottie froze. If her heart still beat, it would have undoubtedly beat out of her chest at the sound of Evelyn's voice. The sunshine, the warmth, that's why this felt like home. Grab that little shit, too. We don't want him hanging around on that side. Bring him in there with you? Lottie asked, horrified. It's just a door lot. There's so much more over here than you could possibly imagine. Bring them both. We'll get them to where they need to go. So Lottie went back and ripped the dingy spirit from Pike's body like a despised weed from a garden. With one soul in her arm and another dragging behind her, she stepped through. She caught one last look at the clock on the wall, and suddenly... She realized she couldn't remember where else she could have possibly been in such a rush to get to. Hello everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. In between our stories, 
we like to take an opportunity to highlight a cause we believe deserves our collective attention. For August, we chose the Entertainment Community Fund. This is an organization supporting the writers and actors currently fighting for fair wages in an industry that has taken advantage of them for far too long. You can learn more by visiting entertainmentcommunityfund.org or by following the link on dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the countless terrors your kind has survived all on their own. This happened almost nine years ago, but of all my paranormal experiences, it's still one of the most vivid in my memory. My partner had left for military training and I was staying with a family friend in their spare bedroom for a few months until I was able to move and join back up with my partner. It was a weird little blip where I had to be where I was for a while longer, but because I knew I'd be leaving, I could kind of just do whatever I felt as long as I made enough money to keep the bills paid. So, when the job that I had initially loved turned into a bit of a nightmare, I quit and followed a friend who got an industrial sewing gig. It was fun, and we could come and go as we pleased for the most part, so you never know who you were going to see at the other machines when you got there. Where this story starts is on a day where it was pretty empty. My friend and I were standing at the large cutting table in the center of the room, prepping our pieces of canvas for the day's work. And the topic of our conversation ended up being about the things that really scare us. Not the big, obvious things, like being buried alive or having a sleep paralysis demon crawl on top of you, because who wouldn't be right? But the smaller things that can just immediately get under your skin and make you go, fuck this, I'm out. I eventually bring up how one of the creepiest things to me is the sound of slow scratching. Not the sound of someone or something trying to get into wherever you are, but the sound of someone or something purposefully dragging their nails or claws just to let you know that they're there that they have time to wait for you to come out. I even added my own sound effects by slowly dragging my fingernails down the rough surface of the cutting table, and instead of letting the sound just fall off when it reached the edge, I ended it with a bit of a flourish by quickly curling my fingers so that it sounded a bit like a swipe. I made a face that said I was not alone in thinking this would be endlessly creepy, and we went about the rest of our day. Later that night, I was lying on my bed in the spare bedroom, reading a book with my dog Bane sleeping next to me. Bane was a big guy and an absolute baby. He didn't look it though. Half lab, half English bulldog, pitch black fur, 
and a face that made him look like he was fit to guard hell. But Bane never barked, so he wasn't much of a guard dog, which was fine. His job was to be a giant cuddle buddy, and that ding-dong did it well. And when I say never barked, I don't mean he only barked on the rare occasion. I mean the only sounds I'd heard from this dog were little high-pitched begging whimpers for treats or an overdramatic huff when he wanted attention. This is important to know so that you understand just how unsettling it was for me when I not only just heard my dog begin to growl, but I feel the rumble of it through the bed as he wells up this insanely threatening sound in his chest. I go to put my hand on his back and I see his hackles are up, but I'm confused because the only thing I can see that he could possibly be looking at is my bedroom door. And that's when it started. A slow, intentional scratching that started from the very top of the door and continued for what seemed like an eternity till it finally stopped with a quick swipe down at the very bottom. I sat frozen on my bed for I don't know how long, my hand still barely touching the raised ends of Bane's hackled fur till he eventually stood up on the bed. I've seen and heard and felt lots of weird things in my life, but this was by far the most pointed and too much of a coincidence. I immediately tried to think of a rational explanation for what had just happened, but even the most far-reaching thoughts couldn't explain why I just heard the exact thing that I just talked about earlier that day. This was a while ago, but my friend and I were still two grown-ass, tired adults that wouldn't be pulling pranks. And on top of that, nobody who worked there, including my friend, even knew where I lived. The couple I lived with were even less likely to try pulling something, and there's no way either of them could have known about this random conversation I had while I was at work. Then there's Bane, who in that moment was a very big boy and very intent on being a very scary guard dog. This all would have been enough, I think, to solidify the story in my mind. But it doesn't end until the next day, about a half hour or so into work. Once again, my friend and I are standing at the cutting table, prepping our canvas pieces, when I say, Dude, I have to tell you about what happened last night. I started asking him if he remembered our conversation, but before I got the whole question out, I see his hand out of the corner of my eye, moving towards the hood of my sweatshirt. This catches me off guard since we're both not touchy people at all. Like the amount of alcohol it took for us to give each other a hug for the first time a full year into being friends was excessive. So I'm surprised, not moving, and watching as his face kind of scrunches up before he asks, what are those from? Not knowing what he's talking about, I pulled my phone out of my pocket and switched on the forward-facing camera to look. I see three red scratch marks that go down the whole side of my neck, ear to collarbone. Too thin to have been for me scratching myself in my sleep, and Bane's claws were 
all as thick as pencil erasers, so it couldn't have been him. So I don't know what it was that was scratching at me at my door that night, but whatever it was, apparently, they had been around and had been listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquike. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.